Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So today is the first Sunday of Advent. I've already said that to you in this video, but here we are again. Uh, It's the first Sunday of Advent, and Advent is a season in the church calendar. So if you're not familiar with the church calendar, uh, you may be at least familiar uh, with these seasons like Advent or maybe Lent. Um, But I really love celebrating within the church calendar because what it means is today, on this day, on, on this Sunday, there are millions of Christians all over the world celebrating the first Sunday of Advent. And we're going to read in a few minutes from a passage of scripture that millions of other Christians today have read in their liturgy, in their worship time uh, together. And so I, I'm, um, I, I feel even more connected to the wider global church than I typically do in a season like this. So I, I, I love getting to do that. And, and Advent is a word uh, that means arrival. And so uh, as we celebrate Advent, we're doing two things. One, we're celebrating the arrival of God as a baby in Jesus. That we celebrate, we wait, we remember that God showed up as a baby. And then we, we also anticipate his second arrival. And there's lots of, uh, lots of theological conversation around that to be had that we're not going to have today. But really, we anticipate the full and final renewal of all things through God, however that might come. So we remember that God started that work of renewal in Jesus as a baby, and we anticipate full and final renewal through the work and the power of God. And there are so many Advent themes and ideas that kind of run and course through this season, like uh, candles and uh, themes like light and darkness, themes like generosity and giving preparing and waiting, theme of family runs through this season. But one of the primary Advent ideas that sometimes gets lost in this time that I think is really important uh, is is the idea of renewal, starting over. So in our calendar right now, we're at the very end of the year. But in the church calendar, this is the beginning of the year. Advent is the beginning of the church calendar. So the first Sunday of Advent is the first Sunday of the year. Really, the, today is the first day of the year in the church calendar. So happy new year. Uh, so w- when, when you um, hear the word Advent, or you see it this year, or we talk about it, this is what I want you to think. I want you to just do a little word association. I want, I want to build some word association with you today, okay? So when you, um, this is what I want you to think when you hear the word Advent. I want you to think again, again. We're beginning again. We're turning over the calendar again. We're waiting again. We're the people who will hope again. We're the people who will love again. We're the people who will have peace and joy again. We are the again people. We're the second chance people, the starting over people, the trying again and again and again people. Advent is the season of again. And today our Advent theme is hope. We're going to be walking through these Advent themes of hope and love and joy and peace over the next few uh, weeks. And today our Advent theme is hope. And so today we are hoping again. And our reading is from Jeremiah chapter 33. Uh, And so because a lot of us don't spend a lot of our time reading the prophet of Jeremiah, which is okay, 
Um, I thought I'd give you a little context on this Old Testament book. So Jeremiah is, a, is an Old Testament prophet. He's a messenger of God. And at the very beginning of, uh, of Jeremiah, in Jer- Jeremiah chapter 1, it says that Jeremiah's words, his, his prophecy, his speaking of truth, his message of God, it will do uh, two things. It will uh, uproot and tear down, and it will plant and build up. So there's going to be some real harsh words in Jeremiah and there's going to be some words of real hope and renewal. So it's both of those things, which I think is a good template uh, for what you need to do uh, with unjust systems. That's what prophets were doing. They were calling out the injustice in the world, right? So they're tearing down and they're also building up. And so today in Jeremiah 33, we get, um, we get one of the building up passages. So it's not a tear down uh, passage. It's a, it's a passage about hope. It's a passage about building up and planting and what that uh, looks like. And so uh, today, this passage from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 12 through 16, is being read in churches all over the world. This is what it says. Verse 12, this is what the Lord Almighty says in this place, desolate and without people or animals in all its towns, there will again be pastures for shepherds to rest their flocks. In the towns of the hill country, of the western foothills, and of Negev, in the territory of Benjamin, in the villages around Jerusalem, and in the towns of Judah, flocks will again pass under the hand of those who count them, says the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it is called the Lord, our righteous Savior. So there's a lot happening uh, here. I liked reading it. I was really enjoyed that. I like reading from the prophets, but uh, sometimes it can be helpful because uh, uh, there's a lot there's a lot happening in, in passages like this. And so sometimes it can be helpful to just pull out some of the key ideas uh, and key phrases and kind of push back some of the things that aren't as helpful. So what I'm not advocating here is for you to like take a black Sharpie and just mark out stuff in your Bible. But I do think it'd be helpful to kind of push some of these things to the back and pull things to the forefront to just help us get a, a kind of main idea. And so I'm going to read this to you uh, with less words. So I think this may be a more helpful reading. In this place, desolate and without people or animals, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. Right, so Jeremiah is saying, right now, this place is desolate, but God will bring it back to life. It's a picture of hope. Right now, it's desolate, but verse 14 says, but the days are coming. I love that, that phrase. The days are coming. The days are coming. Right, it's a picture of hope. And, and it gives us a lot of uh, insight on how to be a hopeful people, how to be the kind of people who hope again and again and again. And I think we often fail to hope again because of our denial, because of our despair. Denial and despair are the enemy of hope. Listen, uh, denial and hope cannot coexist. Denial and hope cannot coexist. Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar, says it like this, you cannot experience hope without first experiencing grief because hope admits that not everything 
is as it should be. Hope starts with grief. Denial and hope cannot coexist, right? If, if everything's not, if, if everything is okay, if everything's fine with you, if you don't need anything, then what is hope good for, right? Did you see how, how Jeremiah starts this passage on hope? It starts like this, in this desolate place, in this desolate place, right? Jer- Jeremiah kind of makes us look at the pain, at the suffering, at the struggle here. Because if you're going to hope again, you have to admit that everything isn't as it should be, that the world isn't as it should be, that your life isn't as it should be. Right? We're, gonna, we're, we're going to have to really acknowledge, maybe even accept, and grieve all that went wrong in our world. Hope starts with grief. Zero denial. Right? We can't pretend like everything is okay and also cling to hope. Right? If you're pretending that everything's fine, right? if you're the person saying, oh, everything's great, I'm good, it's all good, right? then there's no use for hope. Hope and denial cannot coexist. And similarly, it's often our despair that keeps us from hoping. So, so, so despair is that feeling that nothing is ever going to change. Right, so in that denial tells us that nothing is wrong, right? Denial says, oh, it's all fine. I don't need hope. Everything's fine. Despair says everything is not fine and it's always going to be not fine, right? It's bad and it's so bad and it's never, ever, ever going to change, right? It's that that feeling of kind of future casting your current bad circumstance. Maybe you've uh, said out loud, or, um, or, or just thought to yourself, uh, I guess this is my life now. That's despair. I guess this is just my life now. And you see in verse 14, that phrase, uh, the days are coming. The days are coming. And despair tells us, uh, no, this day is forever. It's Groundhog Day and it is forever. Right? Hope says the days are coming. And I think it's our denial and our despair that keep us from hoping again. We pretend that everything is okay, and so we never get to hope, or we act like our current circumstance is going to be forever, and we never get to that place of saying the days are coming. So we're, we're in a stage of life, and I get to have this awesome uh, job here where we get to have lots of friends, uh, get to see lots of friends having babies for the first time. So if you want to have kind of a social experiment, experiment on denial or despair, you can just um, chat with a first-time parent about six weeks after their baby is born, uh, and, and you get a good, a good little look at denial or despair. Because if you af- ask a first-time parent about six weeks after their baby is born how they're doing, um, about half the time you'll get something like, uh, oh, it's fine, everything's great, uh, maybe some phrases like, uh, uh, I think we're finally finding our groove. Yeah, we're getting into our groove, found a little routine. And they tell you, oh, everything's fine. And they have uh, dark circles and like spit up all over them and they clearly haven't showered. And it's one of those like blink twice if you need help situations. Like they're very clearly not telling you exactly what's going on, right? It's just kind of pure denial. Or, or, or you ask a, a new parent with a six-week-old baby, how's it going? And they look back at you and say, what have I done? I have not slept, and I don't think I'll ever sleep. 
because I'm not sleeping, I think I'm going to get fired from my job. And if I get fired from my job, we probably won't have a place to live anymore. So I'm going to be a homeless parent who's not sleeping. And it just kind of spirals from there and it goes straight to despair. It's bad right now and it's never going to be good, right? Denial and despair. So we're, we're getting ready uh, for baby number two coming in February. Katie and I are. We're really excited. And uh, baby number one, sweet Ellis, he didn't sleep uh, very well for like a year. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was really hard. It was uh, like not a lot of fun. And we did that kind of denial and despair cycle for sure. Um, but it, you might would think that that would make me more nervous for baby number two. But it actually makes me a lot less, it makes me le- less nervous because um, it was a tough year with Ellis that first year. Uh, but now I know that no matter how hard it is, it's not forever. It's not forever. Uh, listen to the prophet Jeremiah. This is a desolate place, but the days are coming. This is hard, but it won't be forever. Right? I, think that's, I think that's really the mantra, the key, the formula for hope. That we're able to say, this is hard, but it's not forever, right? It's not denial or despair, right? Denial uh, has us say, this isn't hard. And despair has us say, this will be forever, right? It's real acknowledgement of the difficulty in our life. We say, this is hard. This is painful. This is a struggle. This is so hard for me, but I don't think it's going to be forever. That is is hope, right? You have to experience the pain and the grief, no denial. And you have to know, believe, and trust that the days are coming. So for you, uh, how would you describe your level of hope today? How hopeful are you feeling? How's that hope scale going for you? Maybe you didn't even, maybe that wasn't a category you were looking for. But, but when I say that the, that the kind of mantra for hope was, uh, this is hard, uh, but it won't be forever, how does that land on you? Maybe that could be a, a kind of a gauge for how much hope you have. And today, if you're struggling, I just want you to know, if, if, you, um, if you're grieving, if you're tired, if you're hurt, you are so close to hope. You're like at step one of hope. That's where hope starts. And you don't have to be there today. I'm not, tell, I'm not telling you uh, that, you, that you need to get to hope from exactly where you are today. I'm, I'm not going to give you the, the three steps to get all the way there. But I just want you to know uh, you are on your way. You are. And uh, I know it's really hard. But you are on your way. You're so close. And w- would you describe yourself as a person who kind of tends towards uh, denial or despair? Right? Are, are, are you a person who's willing to say, uh, this is really hard? Right? Maybe you could just think to yourself, do I ever ask for help? Right? I think sometimes our denial um, comes from this idea that we have to handle everything ourselves. And so we say, no, I'm good. I'm good. This is all hard, but I can, I can figure it out. I'm good. I can do this. In, in Jeremiah chapter 33, and really this whole season of Advent, is about accepting the help that is coming. Right? It's the whole point of the season. That, that help is coming. Right? At the end of, of this chapter, at the end of this passage in Jeremiah 33, it says that we will be saved by the Lord, our righteous Savior. Right? The help is coming. 
And our denial just keeps the help away. That we say, no, we can handle it on our own. Everything's fine. I don't need it. Are you a person who tends kind of towards denial? Or maybe you're a person who, who, who kind of leans towards despair that you say, no, everything is not okay and it's never, ever going to be okay again. Maybe if you're in that place of despair today where you say, I just do not see a light. I do not see a light. You could look backwards at your life and you could think about what you've already overcome and what's already been difficult that you've gotten through. Brene Brown says, uh, as a college professor, I see students come to us who have never had real experiences of adversity. And how that shows up is hopelessness because hope is a function of struggle. If you've never been through anything difficult, it's really hard to know that you'll get through this particular difficult circumstances. But what I know about you is you have been through some difficult stuff. You've worked through it and you've healed or you're healing. And so if you're in the middle of some despair right now, you say this thing at work, this thing in a relationship with my partner or in my family, this thing in my faith and the way I feel about God, it feels like it is never going to let up. Maybe today you could just look backwards at your life and say, you know what? This isn't uh, the hardest thing I've had to do before. I've been through something more difficult. I can make it through this again. Right? Hope is a function of struggle where you say, this is hard, but I know I've been through this before. It won't be forever. And then maybe this week you could just pinpoint like one thing. Uh, one circumstance, one relationship, one thing happening in your life, and you could build a prayer around that one thing, a prayer for hope that you could say, God, this is hard. God, this is hard and I need help. Remind me that it's not forever. Right? You could just, you could find that one thing and really look it in the eye. You'd say, I'm not going to deny that this is hard. I'm going to look it right in the eye and I'm going to say, God, I need your help. Remind me that it's not forever. Or we all need hope. And to get there, I think we'll have to overcome our denial and our despair, right? This may be a desolate place. You may be in a desolate place. I believe you. This is hard, but it's not forever. Uh, about a decade ago now, I climbed uh, Mount Fuji in Japan. And... Uh, You've probably heard me talk about it before because I like to talk about it. But um, you, you climb, you start during the day and you climb all the way through the night so that you can experience the sunrise from the summit above the clouds. You get to see the sunrise. That's a really crazy, amazing experience. When, when the sun rises above the clouds, everyone cheers. And uh, our guide told, uh, told our group right at the beginning, he said there, there's, a, um, there's a famous Japanese phrase, only a fool climbs Fuji twice. And uh, I, I've repeated that phrase to other people to try to uh, convince them how hard this hike was. Um, but that's kind of an American way to think about it because now looking back, I realized this guide said that to us, only a fool climbs Fuji twice. And he climbed Fuji like twice a week. And um, now I know that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Japanese men and women who do an annual climb of Mount Fuji so that they can watch the sunrise from the summit above the clouds. There's even a word in Japanese for that experience. 
of experiencing the sunrise from the summit above the clouds and cheering with hundreds and hundreds of people as the sun finally makes it. The, the word, it just means thank you. It just means thank you. I think, I think now that uh, only a fool climbs Fuji twice is really kind of a tongue-in-cheek invitation into a community of fools because it is really hard. It's a really hard hike. It's so hard in the middle of the night that it feels foolish when you do it. But it's so worth it that all you say when you get to the top is thank you. Thank you. It's the foolish, the struggle of it all that brings you fully and finally alive. And this Advent season Uh, we're inviting you into the foolish work of pursuing hope and love and joy and peace. Listen, only a fool, only a fool would hope again with all this desolation in the world. Only a fool would love again after being hurt so bad. Only a fool would fight for joy after so much sadness. Only a fool would pursue peace in a world so torn up with conflict, only a fool, only a fool. Only a fool would celebrate that old foolish story of God showing his power by becoming a baby, right? Here we are at Advent again, right? We're a community of fools (laughs) because all of this, all of it is really, really, really hard. This climb feels so hard that it's almost foolish, but it's worth it. And we're the foolish ones, the ones willing to risk and push and climb in order to finally be fully alive. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. May you be the kind of foolish person who is willing to hope again. Overcome denial and despair to climb the mountain of hope. And when you reach that summit and see the better days ahead, simply say thank you to the Lord, our righteous Savior, who has helped you again. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.